Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Inside the Studio, presented by iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Joe Levy. Okay, it is December. We have almost made it through 2020, and certainly this year has been, um, and I'm trying to figure out how I could put this without cursing for the next 40 or 50 minutes. But um, let's just say 2020 has been a difficult year. But it, it does bring us something special as it winds down, and that is a new album from the Australian duo The Avalanches. It is called We Will Always Love You. It's here, and it's spectacular. And this is only the third album The Avalanches have released since their debut, Since I Left You 20 Years Ago. And, and, and each one of these albums is pretty much amazing. My friend Sasha Fair Jones likes to say they're one of the only groups to bat a thousand in the 21st century, which I guess is actually a little easier if you average one album every six or seven years. But still, part of what makes it so impressive is that each one of these albums has been a different kind of adventure. That debut, Since I Left You, came out in the year 2000, and it was lovingly constructed bit by bit out of about 3,500 samples of what Robbie Chater calls 
junk store records, which means samples that you don't recognize right away. So Since I Left You is a big favorite of Team Inside the Studio. Shout out to team leader Noel Brown, who took time out from talking about conspiracy theories on his podcast, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, to make sure that he could be on production duty when we recorded this episode's interview with Robbie and, and Tony DeBlasi. And, you know, one reason I love Since I Left You is that some moments it sounds like what happens when you have two tabs open on your browser and they're both playing sound at the same time. But on the other hand, it had this out-of-left-field hit frontier psychiatrist that had turntable scratching on it, so it sounded like it was put together by a live DJ. But but most of the album was just a seamless and sunshine shiny flow of really relaxed and easy grooves. What wasn't seamless, relaxed, or easy was making a second album. That took 16 years. The Avalanches did not release Wildflower until 2016. There were a lot of stops and starts along the way. They spent time assisting on the score for a musical version of King Kong that did eventually make it in some way, shape, manner, or form to Broadway. And they also worked on music for an animated film that's been described as a hip-hop version of Yellow Submarine, and that never saw the light of day. So Wildflower is sort of a concept album, if your idea of a concept is a mixtape that you'd play in the car on a road trip from your apartment in the city to some sort of psychedelic countryside. And if the Avalanches never did get to make a hip-hop version of Yellow Submarine, at least they got to make a hip-hop version of the Beach Boys' Smile, with guest appearances from rappers like Danny Brown and Biz Marquis, indie rock luminaries like Father John Misty, David Berman, Tame and Paula's Kevin Parker, as well as a sample of a chorus of kids from a high school in Melbourne, Australia, singing the Beatles' Come Together. Now, it's just four years after Wildflower, and we get a new album, We Will Always Love You, record time for the Avalanches, although this album almost didn't happen at all. Robbie talked with me about his issues with addiction, and and he recently told the New York Times that after Wildflower came out, he'd been drinking again, and he checked himself into detox. That was January of 2017, and they had to cancel some tour dates, and and he was thinking at that point the group might be over. But but when he got out of rehab, he found that Tony had managed to do some touring without him, and and things were still going. There was still a band. He could go out on the road. He could play Coachella. So while every single Avalanche's album has mixed joy and melancholy, the way both of those feelings are supercharged on We Will Always Love You might have something to do with discovering that the everything you thought was gone, was over, was done, is still out there and better than ever. We Will Always Love You is a little less about samples, a little more about creating music the way most groups do, drums, bass, keyboards, Johnny Marr from The Smiths dropping by to play guitar, Rivers Cuomo from Weezer doing some vocals, you know, the usual thing. The Avalanches are still obsessed with old records, but in a different way this time out. They they talk with me about how their idea of something they call forever voices involves how dropping a needle on a record is like summoning the spirit of someone or something that's departed. And and we also talked about how a a book called The Recording Angel by Evan Eisenberg helped shape the album. And we also talked about how every sound or singer ever broadcast on the radio is out there somewhere, echoing in outer space. And speaking of outer space, we talked about the album's connection to NASA's Voyager space probes in 1977. It was pretty cosmic. Here's what else they had to say. 
Tony and Robbie, thank you so much. Welcome to Inside the Studio. Uh, although Thanks, we're all George. inside our respective homes, I think uh, uh, everybody's everybody's at home. Where, where you, I'm, I'm in New York, of course, and you're both where? We're both in Melbourne. I was just about to say stuck in we're Melbourne, in- but I don't know if I should say that. But yeah, we are stuck. We are stuck in Melbourne. I don't think if we tried to leave, we wouldn't be oh allowed. Oh my! To. So so officially stuck, but but you know that's okay. It's all it's all getting better and and and, and it's uh, Tuesday evening here in New York, and I guess it's Wednesday morning for Wednesday you. Wednesday morning, yep. This is Wednesday so fantastic because yes. we're about to talk about like interstellar sound vibrations and now we're crossing the dateline i feel like i'm living in the future this is all happening it's kind of perfect it so, is <laughs> we will always love you and believe me i appreciate it uh this album is a little different for you guys and not just in that it took less than 15 or 16 years to make it but you, you went about things a little differently this time like you can hear you listen to this you hear the love of the, of the dusty groove is still there but things weren't necessarily constructed the same way how'd the process change with this record for you guys I think it began with like a very clear idea of what we wanted to make this time around, whereas like the journey of Wildflower, which you mentioned, that took 16 years, we're almost finding what that record was about as we went along and we took all the twists and turns and um, I have to, I'm the first to admit we got a little lost along the way and the end result was beautiful, but, you know, it took a long time. <laughs> just <laughs> just a little, a little lost? <laughs> so, um, yeah, with this record, it was a singular vision to make... Uh, a record almost like exploring our own mortality and in a way our own personal journeys and so a very clear idea from the beginning and that idea also had some very clear sonic uh, images with it so we wanted a shimmering record maybe a more hi-fi record and a kind of a more modern sound and record so we we still began working with samples but then we added other instrumentation and it was also a way for us to a do something different and b not take another, you know, 10 or 15 years. Yeah, like we really felt... Yeah, and, and, and I think it was j- just searching for that concept of what Wildflower was about took so long that, um, you know, especially Robbie and his infinite wisdom was like, okay, we're going to record a new record. We're going to work out what it's about before we even start so we're not just searching around... <laughs> You know, for 16 years, we're trying to find that. So we found mm. it quite early and, you know, the results are four years later, which which is, for us, extremely short. For Post Malone, that's like a decade <laughs> or something, but, you know. Well, so, so part of the difference, obviously, the samples are there, but, but on this one, if you wanted a bass line or a keyboard part, you could play it. You could bring someone in to play it. Is that about right? Exactly. Well, it was our, our close friend and collaborator, Andy. So myself, Tony and Andrew were kind of like, we were digging for samples, but then Andy's a fantastic keyboard player. So he would do little chord sequences and sketches over some of the samples. I, I always just work with samples. So I'm always just adding samples and samples and samples. But we weren't afraid to reach out to friends and bring other people in. And a guy, John Cal Kirby, fantastic keyboard player in, out of Los Angeles. And it was just a way for us, I think... It sounds selfish, but the process of making wildflowers kind of like, and since I left you, they're, they're lonely, long processes. Like you're at home digging, 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 and it goes on for years. So we kind of thought, like, 
It was just as much about the life experience for us as well. Like, let's hang out with real people in the studio, you know, and get their energy and learn how they make records and learn things and enjoy the making of it and, um, you know, have a wonderful life experience as well as making a record quickly. Hanging out with real people, we're, we're talking about the, all the collaborators on this record. You got to record in, in Melbourne, but also in, in Los Angeles. And, 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 and you got to work face-to-face, which is, it, it feels almost like a science fiction world right now, right? Because w- when's the last time we were all in a studio face-to-face working, right? But those collaborators, let, let's, let's talk about some of that and, and, and how much different it was to go in and make a, a song as opposed to build a track layer by layer? Well, I think, I mean, personally for me, I only know how to work one way and that's like since I was like 15 or something, like I'm, I'm an, I play a lot of instruments really badly, right? So I'm kind of an amateur musician and sampling <laughs> was like how for me personally I figured out this is... Don't sell yourself <laughs> short. No, the sampling was how I figured out this is how I can express myself. This is my thing and I'm going to get really good at this. And so I always just learned how to build in layers and how to, like, add layers of paint and, like, putting this jigsaw together. And so when we're working with singers now, like, I feel like I still work in a similar kind of way. Um, but... It's just using, I guess, the singers as as samples as well, like... Even the way that, um, you know, we'll get a vocal back and it's never just like, oh, lay that over the track as the track got sent yeah. to them. It's, you know, especially Robbie will just take it away and chop it up and all of a sudden the chorus is in a different yeah. spot and, you know, some words are, are messed around <laughs> with. So it's still like this process of using the vocalists as samples, not just having them kind of singing over a sample yeah, bed and everyone of music. was so cool about it and I think came to the process knowing how we work so I would even be in the studio I'd say give me a minute I would run and chop up the take they'd just done for, for, play it back to them and then they would like hang out maybe listen to it for an hour or two uh, respond to that edit and uh, do another vocal take and it was this beautiful back and forth thing so you, you, you said that the, the theme and direction of this record was more clear from the start and, and let's talk about what that theme was. I know part of the focus is something you call forever voices. What does that mean? I guess it's something we just started thinking about as we were diving into this record and thinking about guys who've always sampled music. I love thinking about how you know, we might grab a uh, old record recording from the '40s, and there's someone vo- someone's voice captured it on that, and they've obviously long since passed away, but their voice remains like a beautiful ghost or a beautiful spirit. And I, I often think about, well, what was going on in their life at the time? You know, it's like a beautiful little time capsule or, or, or message from the past of of someone's whole life and their pain and their experience captured in a song, and then maybe that seven-inch record. I was just going to say, it's like they're mm. living forever too. It's, it's they're always with us and they never die because their voice is still there at, 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 in this That's beautiful right. moment. Yeah. Um, sorry. Oh, yeah, and then, yeah, um, and, and, oh, like, obviously when we sample on vinyl, like maybe someone else has owned that recording for, like, 20 or 30 years and played it a bunch of time and times and spilt wine on it or, you know, added crackles to it and maybe going through a br- breakup, you know. And you, you're talking about the user... Kind of imprinting their imprinting their own the listener the user imprinting their own 
touch on yeah. the vinyl they've owned. They've put their stylus on it, and maybe they've put some tears on it, spilled some wine on it. That's right, that's right. Played it a hundred times, it's got dusty, and that's how the dusty sound comes from, and it's like they're imparting... Their, their life, and they're... You know, yeah. their, their life onto it as well, and their experiences with that music they're imparting onto the actual vinyl that we end up it's, sampling. Yeah, so it's a lovely thought, um, and, then, and then it makes... It's very humbling as well, because then we're just another part of that process. You know, we find the record and sample it, put it into a song and it gets broadcast out onto the radio and then someone else is driving along in their car that day and they hear it and it's part of their life and it's just a big cycle of life, you know, so it's a lovely thought. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. So the, the, the ghost voice is, is 
is every recording out there, it's, it, or the forever voice, that is. Every recording out there is, is in a way, the, the first recording is a form of sampling, and the, the listening is a form of adding to, to that. But there's also this uh, interstellar concept, right? The, the idea that sound waves go out into the ethos, literally into space, and you're very specifically referencing the sending out of sound recordings on the, the Voyager probe back in 1977, because the, the cover of the record is this image of uh, Annie Drian, who, who worked on putting that record together, what's, what's called the, uh, the golden, golden record on the Voyager space probe. Which is such a great, yeah. such a great yeah. title. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Rich, t- but but tell me a little about that. How did you come to that story, and 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 what does that mean to you? Well, I think um, like on this whole, we're on this whole sort of forever voices tangent, and then um, I was reading a lot about, you know, uh, radio broadcasts from planet Earth and how every record every song ever played on the radio is still floating out there in space and you can kind of calculate actually from the date it was broadcast how far that those vibrations would have travelled, how many light years, you know, they would have travelled from now. And so, that you know, you can picture planet Earth like a radio station just floating around out there and Elvis is floating up there and John Lennon and, you know, and it's like all these beautiful spirits out there singing to the cosmos and it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing and... Um, and then as we were sort of going deeper into this record, we came across the story of the, the Voyager Golden Record and I think NASA had approached Annie and Carl Sagan to compile it at, in the end of the 70s and uh, they went on this kind of epic quest to... Because to, I think it, they felt such responsibility, you know. It's like how do we sum up the sounds and life of planet Earth on one golden disc that's going to be out there floating around in the cosmos forever in case it's actually ever found by intelligent life. So they they began this process of compiling this record and as they were compiling it, they fell in love. And uh, Anne had had the idea to record her and uh, brainwaves and heart waves and have them imprinted on the record as well. So maybe intelligent civilizations would learn about our biology if they ever found this record. And the day she was booked in to have the scans for that, um, Carl proposed to her. So um, she says that um, the sound of a young woman's heart in love is forever captured and put on that record and will be floating out there in the cosmos for like a billion years. So. This, this is really an amazing story. And, and, and I got a, kind of deep into it. It, it. I think it's a day or two before they record her brainwaves that he yeah. proposes. Yeah. But the added level to that is that they knew each other. They knew each other, but they weren't going out. They no. never kissed. No. They're on the phone, right? Yes. They're not sitting in the same room, and he's like, you know, maybe we should get married. An amazing story. And then she comes back to him after that and says, is there a way to capture my brainwaves on an audio recording? And they capture her brainwaves while she's geeking out on love. On love. Now, isn't isn't that the most beautiful thing you've ever heard? I mean... See, this is romance before the days of Tinder, the way it used to happen. <laughs> uh, well, there's, there's, there's that, yeah. And the Voyager story, for, for, for anyone who doesn't know it, the, 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 the idea is that they put this 
album in gold on the side of this space probe. There are two albums because there are two space probes, Voyager 1 and 2. I think they're about 14 billion miles away by now. But they, they put all this music and all these greetings from different people around the globe in different languages, but Chuck Berry's on there, Mozart's on there, Louis Armstrong's on there. Yeah, uh, I think there's like whale sounds and all kinds of different things, yeah. And, and, and not only is it called the gold record, but did you know this, the engineer for this record? Jimmy Iovine. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Bet, better known for running Interscope Records and sending <laughs> out right. Eminem and 50 Cent into the world than sending this thing to space, but he <laughs> engineers the recordings. That's incredible. <laughs> well, it is, it is a, you know, I guess, you know, yeah. a human mixtape. So that, that kind of ties in with that. Yeah, bit. no, absolutely. So, so this story comes up on, on the, I mean, her image is on the, the cover of the album. And it's this amazing image. It's a picture of her. She's either coming into focus or sort of dissolving into digital dust, as it were. I, I, I'm not quite sure which it is. It's quite beautiful. Yeah, thanks. It is really beautiful. And that's our friend Jonathan Sawada who was exploring. I guess we were speaking to him about the whole uh, our whole thought process about transmissions and recordings, um, not just travelling through time, but also potentially through space and through other dimensions. I mean, I beget, got interested as well in, like, mediums who claim to contact people who had passed and record their voices and stuff like that. And they're, they're these strange staticky transmissions and... You know, I mean, YouTube is full of them, and the guy was swearing. He's like, that, I, "That's Karen Carpenter's voice. I've been communicating with her, and you can hear her very clearly." You know, say this or that. Uh, but anyway, I was talking to Jonathan about this stuff, and so he um, got this old black and white photograph of Anne and ran it through a spectrograph, which turns it into sound. And then I think it, um, you know, the various color frequencies are laid out as on this. Sorry, the sound frequencies are aligned to different colours on the spectrum and then it's turned back into an image again and, and that's the result you get. It's extremely beautiful. Wow. So, so the, the picture has been transferred into sound waves and then transferred back into yeah. image. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And, and, and again, that, that Carl, Carl Sagan and, and Anne's love story comes up on the track Interstellar Love with Leon Bridges. Is that right? That's right. I mean, it's part of it, you know, because we were, I, w I was just talking to Leon about what this record's all about and we were hanging out in the studio. And I, he, obviously, the song means, has its own meaning to him, but it was part of the backstory as we were, as we were developing the idea, yeah. This notion of uh, forever voices and the, and the ghost images, the ghost voices that you were just talking about on YouTube. That's fascinating because the, the album begins with a, a track called Ghost Story, which is a, a phone message, right, from someone who wants us to know they'll always love us. And we're, it's so hard when we're not together. And I, I kept thinking when I was listening to it, you guys must have recorded this record with a different world in mind than the one we live in. But when that's the first thing you hear when you sit down to play this record, it it really feels almost like a social distancing concept album from the start, like because we are not together now, right? Yeah, it's it's strange. I mean, it's lovely that you say that, and um, it's strange the way it worked out. I think it was. Uh, I, mean, I read a, I found a very beautiful book in a junk store called 
the recording angel. And there's a chapter called Solitary Ceremonies and um, the writer talks about that solitary thing of sitting down and, like, playing a record and it's almost like a seance and we're summoning ghosts and it's this process we all know very intimately from, you know, being teenagers in our bedroom and, you know, you... You know, music is, I love the way it can be very, very uh, extremely personal but extremely social at the same time. You can experience it at a festival with 20,000 people, but it can also be this thing where you're listening to a record on your own when you've got a broken heart or you're lonely and it can comfort you, you know. So that we were exploring those some of those inner journeys and some of those inner moments and uh, I guess it's just aligned perfectly with that, uh, the loneliness that we're all kind of feeling at the moment, you know. Um, and it's, if it's a record about connection, you're right. Maybe it's it's um, it's resonating right now. But but in some sense, I want to ask you: Had you made this with the idea of oh yeah, it'll be summer, we'll be able to go out and play some festivals, see some people? Yeah, yeah. It was supposed to come out in May or June or something. Yeah. Oh May. Okay. So, yeah. And we and we were going to be playing in Europe and mm. so. But we've we've had a massive you know, pretty much all year we've been locked down. So so a lot of this record, I mean, we'd, we'd made it before the lockdown, but a lot of the process of releasing everything was um, done during a really, really hard lockdown. So it was, it was like an avenue to kind of also reach out to the world by putting out all these singles beforehand that we weren't meant to be releasing so many, but because everything got... Um, pushed back because of the the vinyl plants weren't printing and stuff like that. It was like we were able to just um, communicate in that way by, you know, putting out songs every couple of months. So that was that was a not really nice feeling to do while we were ourselves like locked in our apartments. So you you mentioned this has a a slightly more modern feel to it, a modern sound to it. When we say more modern, how how modern are we talking? It's, uh, all I really mean is like more bass or something like that, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, Robbie always says that it's like, but modern it just means we got to be. Actually, played some bass on it, so it's got some bottom end. Because <laughs> you listen to since I left you, and it's all just sitting from high range, to kind yeah. of top range, and and yeah. So I, I guess it's just using more of the musical spectrum. Um, that I think that we would call modern. <laughs> well, I mean, certainly, <laughs> I, I hear some 90s on this record. You work with Tricky on two songs, and particularly Until Daylight Comes, that, that song yeah. has a classic Tricky trip-hop feel to it. But but also, you know, there, there's, there's the song with Blood Orange, the title track, We Will Always Love You has that trip hop feel as well. How how important were those records in the in the mid nineties to you? Extremely important. Extreme like uh Tricky's first record was something I listened to over and over and was kinda like you know, just my young brain was like, how did how is this record made? How is this put together? I was just fascinated. You know, so that records like that are very informative and our first my first experience of sample based music, you know, along with some other records. So it's incredible to come full circle now and work with someone like him. Yeah. But that that first tricky record, we're talking about Max and Quay. Yeah. In nineteen ninety five. 
Did you hear that and understand it as a sample based or, or understand the importance of samples on that record? Because it, it was only reading about it afterwards that, that I heard any of that in that music. It, it, it wasn't immediately apparent, I thought. Right. No, I, I, it was to me. I was like, I think my ears just pricked up at like when something's just a bit, um, it's like, it's like something's going on here. You know, there's like, if there's a collage element, I don't know, I was just immediately drawn to it. It's funny, like, I remember like, um, Big Audio Dynamite had a couple of big radio pop singles in Australia, like when I was young. And it was the same thing. I just remember going like, how, how is, this isn't normal music. What's going on here? I was just fascinated how it was put together. Not, not normal music because uh, Big Audio Dynamite, Mick Jones's band, he'd come out of the guitar, bass, drums band, and certainly that was open to technology and used it, but uh, Big Audio Dynamite was a very early example of what you could do with machines uh, instead of just instruments. And, and so... You mentioned that, but Mick Jones turns up on this record on uh, a track called We Go On, which features Cola Boy and also, that is that in fact Karen Carpenter, a sample of Karen Carpenter singing uh, Hurting Each it Other? It is, it is, yes, it is. So, so that's another one of the, uh, what we call the kind of spirit ghost samples that, you know, it's like she's, you know, been passed for a long time, but she's still in this new song that we've, you know, got just about to come out so yeah we love we love all that stuff and it was so good having um mick jones and cola boy who's just a legend on there but mick mick was a real surprise for that song because we'd kind of sent out just the word that you know we'd love to get him on a track and didn't really hear anything back and then all of a sudden we get an email saying oh by the way he's Mick Jones's, you know, vocal over this track. <laughs> like, how the hell did this happen? You know, you just have to, you just have to pinch yourself sometimes and go, oh my God, that's, that's him. And then you listen to his voice over the track and it's so unique that, you know, you just keep listening and, um, you know, we just feel blessed when things like that, that happen and working with such, like and, such and, a legend. And tell guy, me what, what drew you to that Karen Carpenter sample? I think it was that was a sample that uh, we had from years ago from the Wildflower years, and I th- back then we used to put them on CD and share the CDs with each other and like listen to the samples like little mixtapes. But I think it's just a very sad, very sad, beautiful line, and it carries. It's got a lot of weight, you know, considering her story and her life, and um, you know, like I love lines like that, like um, in the title track from the Roaches sample, like, "We'll always love you," or. You know, uh, we go on hurting each other, and it just says so much. But it's still like lit. It's very much um, up to the listener to um, imprint their own life story over it, and, and it will mean different things to different people. You know, to me, it means just how cruel, cruel people can. How you know, as a species, we're very can be very kind on an individual level, but um, as a collective, you know, we're still horribly mean to the planet and to each other, and. You know, we've got a lot of growing up to do. That's what it means to me. <laughs> but but there's always there's always with you know samples like that. There's always I don't know. For me, there's always just a, a bit of touch of hope with the way they're sang. Like they're they're not completely just oh everything's horrible. It's it's like everything's horrible. But why why can't we fix it? Like 
So, so this it, it just the way they're sung, they still have a, just that tiny little bit of positivity to them and that little bit of joy with them that um that we kind of really resonate, you know, like, like that little space between melancholy and, and kind of happiness and that beautiful kind of when you can get that right and there's just something that hits you right in the heart that's that's a beautiful feeling yeah no i it, it is such a great example that carpenter's song of a california sunshine pop that has a darkness underneath it and not very far underneath it either um it, it is right there in the lyric of the song and it it also interested me so much when i heard it because it I, I recognized it without placing. I must have played it two or three times. I, I know that song. I know that song. I know that song. I grew up on that song. I finally understood. Uh, it was always on the radio, or my older sister was playing it. But here it is. I've never heard it quite this way before. Um, and the added level that it is the Wrecking Crew, the Phil Spector, Brian Wilson studio band playing. On the yeah, as well, so there's quite a lot going on there. Yeah. We, yeah. we get to work with some great artists, <laughs> even if they're not aware that they're working with us. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, uh, you, you certainly do on this record. There, there are so many fast. I mean, we mentioned Mick Jones, but Johnny Marr and MGMT are on uh, a track. The Divine Chord. You, you, you worked with. Tricky, you worked with Rivers Cuomo, Cornelius, uh, the, the amazing Japanese artist. Uh, how, did, how did these come to be- together? You, you, you said you, you put the word out and Mick Jones came back kind of magically, but tell me about how some of these other things came together. It must have been a little more direct than that. Most of them were, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some people like... Cornelius is a friend, so that was just a lovely coincidence. And um, I think we met him back, he put out an, a record called Phantasma around the same time since I left you came out, or a couple of years before actually. So we met him in Japan way back when and obviously we've always just really loved his work and he just happened to be in Los Angeles and it was my birthday and he came by the studio and then this song just sort of appeared. So that was kind of one of those beautiful coincidences you know that was that was just he's lovely. such a quiet guy and um, it was amazing like it, it, uh, this is one of the, the being in a studio and watching someone perform and being really blown away because you, there were maybe 10 people watching him and he just got out the guitar and so the track would just go and he'd just do like a little and then he'd be like play that back and then he'd add a little bit more to that and then about six takes later like everyone's going we get it like at the start we're kind of looking at each other going what's what's he doing and then by the end of the track he's built this whole thing that he had going on in his head and it just i mean it just came out amazing and you know that that's the real joy of being in a studio with someone and watching an amazing talent just do their thing and how inspiring that is um yeah. Mm. He created like a whole uh, guitar it, symphony, ex- but one exactly. note at a time, just slowly yeah. painting one note at a time. And are those notes stacked on top of each other or are they moving li- li- linear- linearly? Moving and so it's they kind of like cascading over each other and ringing over each other. So he must have had the whole picture in his head. 
before he began. But And um, I think some of the uh, Los Angeles studio engineers were hanging out. Like, uh, we'd been very excited because Kago was saying, you know, maybe he'd record and we organised the guitar. And they were just watching him. Like, I thought you said this guy was fucking amazing. Like, what's he doing? And then, <laughs> and then by the end, yeah, it was, a- was like, oh, my goodness. But he's such a uh, love, yeah, such a sweetheart. So that that those are the kind of moments that you you know, like I'll always remember. Yeah, when, and that's the joy of doing man, what know, we do and, and um, stuff that we never take for granted of of witnessing things like that and going, oh, that's a special moment in your life. And um, yeah, we love that. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire part time or full time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So Rivers Cuomo from Weezer turns up on running red lights, and, and, and there's this old story that Rivers used to tell about 
keeping all his melodies. He had a, a master notebook of all his melodies, and he 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 knew they were all gold, and he had them cataloged, and he he could refer to them. But apparently, from from what you've said, he now does the same sort of thing with his lyrics. Yeah, it's a PDF, and it got sent. <laughs> to us, <laughs> and it just had the most catchy, beautiful kind of. I actually the reason, just rewinding a little, the reason we wanted to work with Rivers is because of that beautiful midpoint Tony mentioned earlier, halfway between happy and sad, that melancholy place, and that's I feel like he gets that, and that comes to me that lineage is directly like from Brian Wilson, you know, people like that to to Rivers here. Yeah, that that beautiful place where, you know, it's like life is so beautiful but it hurts so much at the same time. And so and all these little phrases in this uh, spreadsheet kind of were like that, that you would just read them and your heart would break. It's like I've been running, running red lights to get to you might be one of them, you know, and there, were, there was a bunch there. And I think it was like uh, you guys can choose choose one. <laughs> So, <laughs> so there, there were three that got sent back and I don't think there were the melodies no, first. They were just, just lyrics. lyrics yeah. So it was like three sets of just kind of chorus lyrics and we were like, can we hear the melodies before we, we choose? So he ended up singing just pretty, quite roughly the, you know, roughly for him is still pretty amazing, each three of uh, the little verses and in the end, we were like, can we have them all? Because they're all amazing. So we ended up kind of working each three into the song. Um, mm. And yeah, it was just, it, it just turned out so good. And that was, that was kind of the first, I think, the first vocal collab that we, we had. So we were like, okay, let's keep going with this. This is working. This is good. And, and the, the, the three that you worked into the song, were those the, the three rough takes that he had sent or did did you did he refine them further for you he refined them further and then um we also went back and uh asked him to just record a little bit of stuff into his phone for like a an interlude stuff a bit like the album opener and he and he did that as well rivers was fantastic um that bit didn't actually make the record but um yeah absolutely fantastic and we and we got we got to meet him too because that, that was a lot of them were done when we were together but um that one was done via email, but they came and played in Melbourne maybe a couple of months after that. So we got to meet him and, you know, we, we were like, oh, this is Rivers. We got to, you know, Googled, you know, all these amazing cool places in Melbourne for hours. Like, where are we going to take him? We got to impress him. And in the end, we just kind of, it was a rainy day and he's just like, do you just want to walk around in the rain? So we got some umbrellas from his hotel and just walked around and then sat in a Starbucks for an hour and talked and then we went and it was like, (laughs) still an amazing experience. (laughs) But all these cool dinner options and bar options and everything like that, it was like, no, I didn't want to do any of that. We can take you for the world's greatest sushi or we (laughs) can go to Starbucks in the rain. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, walk around Melbourne with umbrellas in the rain. So that I mean that was just perfect. That was so poetic. So Rivers that that, that track Running Red Lights it, it it brings me to something I want to ask you about uh David Berman. He was a a, a collaborator uh, he reads a poem on Saturday Night Inside Out, the last track on Wildflowers. Um and sadly, he took his own life last year. And it's a loss that 
hit a lot of people so hard because he just put out his first album in a decade, uh, Purple Mountains uh, album. And it was a fantastic album. And a lyric from one of the songs on that album comes up on your album on a track called Dial D for Devotion. And then it flows into that Rivers song, Running Red Lights. Uh, and, and, and part of that lyric goes, the light of my life is going out tonight without a flicker of regret. And, and I want to ask you, what, what kind of person, how well did you know David? What kind of person was he and, and, and what made you turn to that lyric? It's, uh, it's kind of hard to answer, I guess. I mean, to be perfectly transparent, um, part of the reason why Wildflower took so long is because of some of my issues with addiction, personally. And I, and, uh, I first got really unwell um, with drinking as a very young person, like 14, 15, 16. And by the time I was um, 20, I'd nearly, I was, it was nearly game over for me. Um, I'd nearly died. And then I eventually, when I first got well, um, I threw myself into making music and that was since I left you. And um, I had a long, long time of being very healthy and very well and then uh, unfortunately fell back into a period of addiction as we were making Wildflower. And I'd been corresponding with David about working together and that's, in a strange way, that's how our relationship began was corresponding and he was kind of, he helped me through. And he would write me beautiful emails and sometimes just practical advice about how to look after myself when when I was struggling. And so we formed a because he had his he had his own struggles with with yeah, substance I mean, abuse I as never, well. You know, he just spoke to me from personal experience, and I would guess that's not my place to talk about what his journey. But he um, certainly was was very very wonderful and caring to me. And we were those lyrics you mentioned on um, Saturday Night Inside Out. That was something we worked on uh, remotely during the making of Wildflower and I remembered that period very well because I was very unwell and his lyrics would come through sometimes and this poem and it, I would sometimes I would edit parts of it and send it back and it kind of just kept me going. Um, so that's how our relationship began and it was, it was correspondence and we often talked, he often talked about coming to Australia and, uh, you know, he, uh, he never did after that but... Um, that's that's how I knew David, and he. I just knew him as just a very, very beautiful man who was very, very generous, and whose work just touched me more deeply than you know than I've I've really I'm really touched like that, you know. And his book Actual Air is very, very beautiful as well. And um, so he's just it was an inspiring artist who I was very fortunate enough to get to know in a in a small way. And then um, we were speaking about doing more music for this current album and he sent some of the lyrics for, uh, yeah, the Purple Mountains record in advance and then a couple of them ended up fitting um, for different pieces on, on our record and for the Pink Sifu verse in Running Red Lights and David was happy for us to use them um, and... Uh, which was lovely. It's lovely that that through line from the previous album to this album, um, and then uh, you know sadly he passed. Um, yes, the, the music came came out. But it was just so, so amazing that we were actually able to get still just a, a piece of David on this record before he did pass. I, I do also yeah. want to say we're we're back to this beautiful. idea of the happy and the sad together because one thing he was so good at was 
there, there's an element of humor that runs through so much of what he does, and 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 the, that that line that that it's in it's in the song, the light of my life is going out tonight, which could mean a couple of different things, and in fact, in the song, it does mean a couple of different things. The light of his life that's going out tonight is yes. uh, someone he's in love with. Right, that's one of the meanings in the song, and so it comes to this line: "The light yes. of my life is going out tonight in a pink champagne Corvette." You know, he loved the 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 funny and clever wordplay of country classic song, uh, uh, classic country songs that, that meant so much to him, and it, it really is yes. in that Purple Mountains record. Yes. Um, and, and and that was another devastating thing about his loss was that he'd made this wonderful record that said so much about how to keep going and how to use humor mm. and and your mind to yes. transform the darkness. Yes, exactly. You just said it better than I ever could. Yeah, and that line, I mean, God, that's just so such a gorgeous line, isn't it? Like without a flicker of regret and the way it ends. And I mean, he just, what a, what a unique talent. So... There's an idea that that comes up, I think, a couple of times on the record. That the idea of music is a a kind of divine force. There's uh, music makes me high, um, which has a real classic disco feel to it. And there's also a song called "Music Is the Light," which uh, has a bit more of a "Ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space" kind of feel. Yes. <laughs> Uh, And I guess we could also include the track that features Perry Farrell, uh, Oh, the Sun, where he's singing about the divine designer. Um, So what are you you saying here? Is is music the answer to life's problems or is it just another one of the the forever voices connecting us sometimes? What's what's the deal? I mean, it's a very personal thing, but for me, it's 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 transformative music's transformative you know and it can it can change the way i see the world completely a certain song on a certain morning um and i'm just looking at life completely differently you know the way the way it can hit you and the way it can feels at a vibrational level so um and i I love breaking it down to a very simple elements of like well music is just vibration we're all we're all made up of just atoms vibrating around of course it affects us profoundly you know and it's like and and so some music just has a different, vi- like beautiful music has a different vibration to say heavy metal, which is great in its way, but it's going to hit you in a different thing. So I don't know, like all, all these vibrations are kind of coming and hitting you and you're accepting them in whatever mood you're in. If you're a little bit sad, a sad song is just going to make you feel, you know, Amazing, and so it's like how you resonate with how our vibration resonates with the vibration of music is just a beautiful thing. Well, I I want to thank you for making some music that transforms things for the rest of us. Uh, And I know this wasn't the goal, but I also want to thank you for making a perfect album for sitting on your couch with a cat on your lap, staring out the window and wondering if the world has gone to hell yet. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Because <laughs> uh, that, that, that was the way I experienced part of this. And it turns out it hasn't gone to hell yet. And oh. the music is awfully good. Uh, and I feel like it's picking up. I feel, oh, I feel like there is okay. a, there's a mood lifting in the world. 
Well, you, I you hope know, so. The idea of a vaccine and a lot of people seem to be happy that mm. Donald Trump's gone. So I, I feel like they're, they're, you know, in the collective consciousness of humanity, we've taken a little bit of a step up. Hopefully it continues, but it's 2020, so who knows? How, how's your cat going, Joe? Has he been good or she been good companion? It, it, it's both. It's a he and a she. Thank you so much for asking, because now we've come to something I really like to talk about. Uh, it, it's a brother and a sister. Oh, uh, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're doing well. They've been uh, very good companions. Uh, and like uh, your record, they will always love me. <laughs> I've had the same I've, I, I live by myself and just have my cat and she has kept me through this year so it, it's, it's animals are a joy well I, I've got to tell you uh, with the cats they will love us until we don't feed them and then they will eat us but uh, for, for now <laughs> so true <laughs> for now they do love us um, and, and, and guys uh, again Sincerely, uh, thank you so much for this record. It is a great thing to hear right now and a great thing to have right now. And uh, it, it really is wonderful. Joe, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Joe. Yeah, great chat. Yeah, and thanks for being here. Thanks for being on Inside the Studio. Oh, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Inside the Studio is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.